Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. We're so glad you've joined us today along our journey as we reach people to reach their purpose. It's good to see you on Sunday after Thanksgiving. Welcome to the 11 o'clock service. And again, those that are joining us online, we're we're glad you're joining us today. And uh, it is good to be in worship. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Anybody have a great Thanksgiving? Yeah, it's uh, uh, what a great holiday. Uh, Before we get into the word, I want to just give you an update. Uh, As you know, we are in uh, the process of transition, getting ready to move from Morgantown Road to Main Street. And so we are just weeks away believing, as Pastor Mike mentioned, uh, just uh, our Christmas Eve services, 1 and 3 o'clock. We are believing that we are going to have Christmas Eve on Main Street uh, on that uh, that Sunday, which uh, Christmas Eve, of course, falling on a Sunday. And so I just want to give you a couple updates and let you know how to pray and uh, some things that are happening as we are in the process of getting closer to that, that move date. We're not able to give an exact date yet. We've been in this, this kind of this holding pattern, but we trust God, and uh, we're not against any opposition. It's all just part of the process uh, that is within the township and county and different things. And so uh, we, we're so grateful for our uh, township. It's been uh, very uh, welcoming and uh, also just the support that we have uh, locally, but uh, we have a meeting on Thursday, and so we're praying uh, some details that, that we've had to put that give attention to that that that'll all be solidified. And uh, just believing Thursday as we have a, a meeting that that will be a great uh, momentum for us and, and allow some some things to to really be solidified as timing. And so uh, hopefully next Sunday we'll be letting you know, saying, "Hey, here's what we've what we've learned, and here's where we are," and being able to give those dates. But uh, we are speaking by faith that we are going to be in there on Christmas Eve. And so we're saying that by faith because we know on Christmas Eve we're going to need more room. And uh, we would rather do it in a place that already has more room uh, than to just add more services. Although nothing opposed to adding more services, but uh, create more room for us there on uh, Main Street. And so that is our prayer. Uh, Just so thankful for all the help that's uh, been there the last couple serve days that we've had on the hill and people painting, tearing up carpet, uh, just uh, projects that have been happening. And so just want to say thank you for all the hands. And we've, we've seen some great progress and, and uh, stuff that's, that's taking shape. Uh, we're already prepared that as we move in, it is going to be a work in, in progress. And so uh, be prepared that as we move in, there's going to be pieces that we're looking at and saying, that needs done yet. And we're going to say, that's right. So let's get to work and let's, uh, we'll get to do that. Uh, we'll, we'll get to be a part of some of that process uh, of uh, doing the, the long-term work as, as we're, we're planning. But uh, we're so grateful to, to be in this position. Here's one of the things that we've been celebrating and um, for me personally, I guess I should say, uh, one of the benefits of being a part of the church uh, and, and watching this process, uh, Jody and I, as you know, being part of the, the youth ministry uh, back in 99 when we came here. And so we've been able to see this house uh, uh, grow and in different seasons. Um, when we built the Family Life Center, we were in a, a situation, and what is, and that situation was we needed room, and we took a step uh, of building that at $1.3 million and uh, having an interest rate that was about 6.5%, wouldn't you know that after the sale of the building, after this property, which, by the way, it is a miracle of God that we have a buyer for this building, and it is a commercial building that we have never once had to market. Come on, somebody acknowledge and give glory. That is the work of God 
and we give God praise. That is not man's doing. That is not our geniusness. That is not anyone. That is the goodness of the Lord. And uh, so after the sale of the building and everything that, that uh, will go uh, move forward, uh, what I find interesting is that we will be at the same financial situation that we were in 2003 when we built the Family Life Center as we'll be in moving forward into a building with 130,000 square feet uh, and uh, plenty of space and all that is there. The financial situation is much the same. And so my heart began to say, wow, if we did it, then we can do it again. I got excited about that until I felt the Holy Spirit say, well, if you want me to do it like I did it last time, then go ahead. But if you want me to do it like I've never done it before, then don't compare it to where you've been. Perceive I do a new thing. And so <laughs> I, I felt that, that conviction of, okay, God, you, we paid this off. Uh, in, uh, our goal was to pay that off in 20 years. And uh, by the grace of God, we paid it off in 14 years. Um, which was 1.3 million. Yeah, to the glory of God, that was a, that, to the glory of God. We're believing now that we'll have about a million dollars remaining and in Jesus' name that we'll see the million dollars paid off by the end of this year. I don't know how God's gonna do it. I'm just leaving the door open to say, God, if you've done great things before, because y- y'all understand this, we could get in the, in, the, in the pattern of, oh, we got this. We did this back in 2003. We got this. Uh, how many are with me? Is that, ah, no, 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 no. Lord, Lord, you got this. How many know what I'm talking about? I, I never want to get in the driver's seat and be like, oh, we got it from here. We'll take it from here. How many have ever tried that before? I'm, I'm not showing you how to raise your hand. I'm telling you. How many are like me and you've tried that before? I, oh, oh, God, I get it now. I'll take it from here. I'll go from there. How'd that work out? So, no, Lord, uh, that my grandfather used to have this uh, license plate. It said, uh, God is my co-pilot. I thought that was good until I found out, no, I need to let him be the pilot. I don't want to, hey, y'all, God, you can, God, you take, the, you take the lead, you take the helm, you got the, I'll just be right back here with my seatbelt on. You let me know what you want me to do, and uh, you just keep driving this thing. And so I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness and giving uh, because it is your faithfulness that uh, has allowed us uh, to be a part of this and cast vision for what God is doing uh, next here and uh, being, a, being a part of seeing Fayette County transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the heartbeat behind this, that God help us to be a part. We are not the only church in town, and you will hear us say that because I am friends and some of my close friends are other pastors right now preaching in other churches around Uniontown, around Fayette County. We are part of the body of Christ as a whole and what we get to be a part of seeing Jesus glorified But God has called us to a specific task and given us a specific role like he's given every other house around uh, around, uh, the the church world. But he's given us this heartbeat and uh, uh, called us to step in this direction. We want to just say thank you for your faithfulness. And so faithfulness and giving, as we shared last week, the tithe, uh, our values, uh, what we give to. The Bible says that where your treasure is there uh, or where your heart is, that's where your treasures are. That's where you give your time, your resources. And the, the three, three things that we give our resources here at Faith Assembly is in finances is the tithe because it belongs to the Lord. And so we return it to him. Mission, because we believe in, the, in the, the mission that he gave us to go into all the world and to make disciples, to reach people, to reach their purpose in Christ and community. And so we give to missions, to the work that God is doing around the world. And we give to the vision of this house, what God has called us to do. And in this season, it's activate. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for your faithfulness in giving to activate. I'm uh, hoping and uh, believing that next Sunday we'll be sharing a date. I'm believing we're going to be giving a date. Y'all, if this team would have let me give you a date, that date would have been September 27th. Well, we know where that went. 
uh, we were ready right out of the chute to say we're, we're moving in right away. And uh, um, I, I'm okay with that. I've got more dates behind me of what we didn't do. Um, and there's only a few more left to get into this year. I get it. Uh, but how many know if you don't aim at anything? You got to have some goals. got to have some plans and some things in place. And so we are getting there by the grace of God. We believe we'll be there for Christmas Eve. You looking forward to that? Anybody coming on Christmas Eve? Anybody going to be at the Christmas Eve service? Yeah. Um, making, we're going to make some room for you and your friends and family. And so invite people to church. Um, let me uh, uh, look at Luke chapter 19. If you have your Bibles, uh, we're in this, uh, this season right between two holidays, Thanksgiving, getting ready for Christmas. And what a great time of the year as we celebrate Thanksgiving. Uh, as soon as Thanksgiving crests, or we, we crest the, the holiday, we get ready for Christmas, unless you're like the violators of the, uh, the uh, common Christmas timeline, and some people put their Christmas decorations up before Thanksgiving. I don't know any culprits like that. Okay, it was me this year. I've, I don't know what happened the first time ever. I've never done that. That's like the rule. The kids turn on Christmas music, and I'm like, no, not till after Thanksgiving. I was a week early listening to Christmas music. I, don't, I feel like I need to go to the confession or whatever, but it's like I broke the rule, and uh, I decorated, and I listened to Christmas music before it was Christmas. I blame it on Pastor Tim, to be honest with you. Uh, I think it's, uh, uh, I, I don't, you always need somebody to blame, so that's why I pick, uh, because he put his tree up. If you really want to know, they put their tree up. If you think I was bad, they put their tree up in early November, so shame on them. Uh, I'm just kidding. In uh, Luke chapter 19, the, the story of Jesus, he's on his way to Jerusalem, and uh, we know this story is the triumphal entry, and I think it's a, a good place to look between Thanksgiving and Christmas, um, because Thanksgiving, they're honoring him uh, on the way. And how many know Thanksgiving is all about giving honor and thanks to God for his goodness, his blessings? And he's on his way into Jerusalem to fulfill his destiny. And so Christmas, of course, being all about the arrival, the coming of Jesus. Um, but I want to look today in, in this specific conversation that Jesus has with Pharisees. The Pharisees are the religious leader of the day. Um, the, the leaders within the church, he has a conversation that only Luke captures. It's not captured in, in any of the other gospels, even though all the gospels speak of the triumphal entry. But Luke mentions this conversation, and the conversation leaves room for, for interpretation or imagination. But I really believe it, it speaks to the intention the purpose for which Jesus came, the purpose for which he came for you and I. And so I want to look at this, this text in Luke chapter 19. Uh, we stand for the, the reading of God's word. So if you don't mind standing with me, I know you just sat down, but you ate like I did so you could spare some exercise getting up and down. Um, here's what it says in Luke chapter 19. I think I said 18, didn't I? I have no idea what I said. But anyway, it was Luke 19. So if I did say it wrong... Uh, here's uh, Luke chapter 19. You can follow along on the screen or the YouVersion Bible app where you'll find notes and, and other uh, uh, links for, for this week and things happening here at Faith Assembly. Uh, the story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem, according to Luke, as Jesus rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When Jesus reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. 
But some of the Pharisees among the crowd, how many know there's always some people within the crowd that tend to have a different opinion of what's going on? You know, the, they call them the Debbie Downer, right? I don't, maybe, I don't know. You have a different name. But uh, wasn't that a great Thanksgiving? Yeah, but that turkey was a little dry. You know, just that, oh, he said, yeah. it, isn't it exciting what God is doing? Yeah, but you know, it's really hard out there. And it just uh, doesn't matter what you try to, there's a celebration. There's always somebody in the room. Yeah, but they're all celebrating. Verse 39, some of the Pharisees among the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your followers your disciples for saying things like that. Rebuke them for saying glory to God in the highest, in the highest heavens and giving honor. Rebuke your disciples for saying things like that. Verse 40, where I want to focus today, Jesus replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Another translation might say would, uh, would, would rejoice or the stones would 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 cry out in praise, that there be a response of praise. But I like this translation. It says that the stones along the road would burst into, into cheers. I want to look at what Jesus is saying and uh, from this, this line, that if, if they were quiet, the stones would burst into cheers. And uh, So in honor of a wonderful Thanksgiving, I want to share from this title today, Full and About to Burst. Sound good? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's living and active. God, that it's doing far more and greater things. I pray, God, that your spirit would have way in our midst. Do what you desire. Jesus, get the glory. Lord, I pray that we would be transformed by the work inside of us that would bring transformation on the outside and in the world around us. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, say amen. amen. And you can be seated. Usually I would have you say something to your neighbor, but my thought was tell your neighbor you're about to burst. That might offend some. Don't want to any issues, just leave it at. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, Jody and I were uh, on a trip, and we're at that stage in life that, um, you know, the, the kids are on their own, and so uh, we get a chance to travel, we take it, and uh, we got an opportunity to go to Iceland, and so a couple of weeks ago, we, we went on this trip, just uh, her and I, a time of getting alone, being together, um, and uh, just enjoy the opportunity. Two things that I did not know about Iceland. Number one, I didn't know it was on my bucket list. So I scratched it off before it even got there. You know, not, never have I thought one day I've got to get to Iceland. Uh, but when my wife says, hey, this would be fun, we should do it. I'm like, you're right, it'd be a great thing. We ought to do it. So we went to see the Northern Lights. We went to see the, the, the uh, Golden Circle, did a tour. Uh, we even got to see a geezer. Now, I just like to say it that way because that's how they said it in Iceland. And uh, the, uh, the, the geyser is actually what it's called, but they called it a geyser. And uh, at first they said, we're going to see this big geyser that uh, spouts off. I'm like, I don't know where, uh, where to look or what that would be, but it was a geyser. And uh, we got the opportunity on this one view. Now, we couldn't see the large geyser because it was dormant, so we got to see the smaller one. And uh, so there's nothing more exhilarating than standing in freezing cold high winds, waiting for water to burst out of the ground to be sprayed by a mist. There's nothing like it in all the world. And so uh, fortunately, as we got there, uh, Jody had her camera ready or her phone was ready to record. And so as soon as we arrived, this was our experience from the moment we got there. We stood there, we looked, she was ready. This happened, 
and we went right back into the gift shop because it was a lot warmer. Everybody else said, well, if you stand here another five or seven minutes, you can see it again. I'm like, I saw it. She got it on video. We're good. So we went back into the, into the, 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 the welcome center, and we warmed up inside. But I got to see the, the mist and the things that were happening. And they're pointing out that these are things that are happening all around. The other thing I didn't know about Iceland was, one, it was on my bucket list, and two, that the volcanic eruptions were as, in, as eminent as they were they kind of downplayed that while we were in country. You know, like some things is like, don't let them know. You know, there's about to be a, a volcano and it could shut down the city. It's like, oh, don't tell the tourists. Uh, but by the grace of God, we got out of there. So it wasn't, it still hasn't even occurred. And by the grace of God, praying that it won't interrupt that, that city because first time there, beautiful city. And uh, it would have a, a great devastation on a, a number of people. But I, I found out just the, the, the pressure and all that is there uh, in Iceland, there's the uh, tectonic plates and, and a lot of earthquake and a lot of activity. And one of the things that you recognize about the geyser, in order for the geyser to happen, there's three main things that take place. One is a deep pocket of water. So there's a deep pocket of water underground. Two are hot rocks or magna, magma that causes the heating of the water, which produces steam and then gases that cause the explosion. And in order to have the eruption, I should say, the eruption needs a, a break within the rock. And so you've got a pocket of water, you've got hot rocks, and you've got an opening in the rocks. Y'all, I could preach the fire out of a geyser. I mean, we've got Holy Spirit. Uh, we, we, we've got the, 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 the living water. We've got Holy Spirit fire, and we've got an empty tomb. I think there ought to be some geysers all over the place. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There, there ought to be some geysers all over the place. This pressure builds up. And so what is a geothermal energy? Geothermal energy is then transformed and turned into kinetic energy, which basically means what happens on the inside can't be contained. It has to be reflected and comes out because there's such energy and such activity. Is there an energy and activity of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you that you just can't? I can't hold back my praise. Is there anyone in the room that says, I'm full and about to burst? Now, you say, what does this have to do with Jesus saying to the, 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 the Pharisees that the rocks, that if the disciples were silent, the rocks would cry out. What, what does this even have to do with these rocks bursting or coming forth? You can look at the natural and, and recognize that it probably has to do with creation. But here's one thing I've learned about Jesus. It's never enough to look on the surface. He's always doing something deeper. To the natural ear, I could hear, if, I, if they don't cry out, the rocks will cry out in their place. So I can immediately imagine the rolling stones on the side of the hill and on the way to Jerusalem, just the stones crying out in praise. That was a stupid church joke and you didn't even get it and that's all right. That you could imagine that the stones are just gonna bust out and begin to worship. And I believe that it is connected to creation because there's enough scripture telling us that all creation will sing his praises. Psalms tells us, Psalm 134 it gives us, or 148 says, praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you twinkling stars. Praise him, skies above. Praise him, vapors high above the clouds. Let everything created give praise. Let everything that is created, everything that has breath, let it give praise to God. So we recognize that there is the element that when Jesus is saying that if they're quiet, the stones will burst out in praise, 
it is this recognition that all creation will give praise to God. But I believe there's something more that is taking place because God tends to speak in ways that it's not enough to just hear it on the surface. You need spiritual ears and not just natural ears. How many know what I'm talking about? Because there's enough things that when we get caught seeing in the natural, we miss. When we just look on the surface. When we look on the surface, we, we miss the more because there's a reason why the Bible says now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask, think, or even imagine. That there's always more going on. And sometimes we miss what God is doing because in the surface, on the surface, we can't see how God's going to bring glory out of this situation. On the surface, God, if you were so good, then why did you let happen what you allowed to happen? Because we look on the surface, but if we get stuck on the surface, how many know we'll miss the deeper work that God is allowing and giving way to? That even in tragedy and difficult things, God doesn't cause tragedy, but there are moments that even in the tragedy, he is such a God of redemption that he not only can redeem your soul, but he can redeem your tragedy. That's how good of a God he is. You say, well, Jason, I don't understand that. Yeah, neither do I. Because if I could, then I'd be God. If I could make sense of it, no, I have to be willing to see on the surface it looks like this, but I know God's doing something deeper. I know on the surface it looks like, but I know God's working deeper. On the surface, when he says the stones will cry out, if they don't cry out, the stones will burst forth. On the surface, it sounds like he's saying all creation will worship. Yeah, that's true. That's part of it, but there's more going on. There's more that's taking place, and we have to recognize that the process of faith is sometimes being a place that we have to believe before we can conceive it. We have to believe it before we can conceive it. To conceive means to, to, to understand or to, to be able to, to have confidence in. This confidence that I have is that I believe even before I see it. I believe it even before I see what God is doing. There are people cheering on the side of the road, and they don't even realize what's going on. They don't even comprehend what's happening. They don't even know that they're fulfilling the prophecy in Zechariah that one will come riding on a donkey who will fulfill the prophecy who is the Messiah, the, the one that we've waited for. They don't even understand. And the reason we know that is because some of them in the crowd on that day, that Sunday, shouting Hosanna would be some of the same people in the crowd on Friday saying crucify him. They didn't even understand. Aren't you grateful that God has grace for our ignorance? Because there's some things, God, I don't understand how you're allowing, what's going on. There's grace for ignorance. I have ignorance, but God has grace. And there's grace for my ignorance unless it becomes disobedience. There's grace for ignorance unless it becomes dis disobedience. But there's a grace when I don't understand. God, I, I don't know what you're doing. I, I don't understand. There is the reason you have grace or have peace that passes all understanding in a season when you don't understand what God is doing. They go together. I don't know what it is, but there's something more. There's something under the surface that God is doing. And here Jesus is on his way into Jerusalem. He knows what's happening. Obviously, he has insight that no one else has. He knows that in five days he's going to die a criminal's death. He knows that this praise is going to be short-lived. He knows that it's only in this moment, but it's all part of the process and all part of the prophecy that was spoken, identifying him. And while he's on his way into Jerusalem, they pull out their coats and they lay it on the road. This isn't something that would have been unusual to them. They knew the, they knew the culture of this. When you welcome somebody who is, 
who is highly esteemed or somebody who is a victor or someone who you, you have great reverence for, you, you would lay out the carpet, the red carpet. It's a, it's a way of honoring them in and bringing them in and escorting them into a place of honor. And so this was a process that would have been known. Jesus wouldn't have been the first one who would have been welcomed in this way in that riding on an animal or having even coats and, and palm trees or palm branches. Some of this is not the same. Now what is different is Jesus came riding on the colt of a donkey. That was different because usually victors rode horses. Victors would ride things that spoke of victory and, and, and heroes. Jesus came humble riding on a donkey. The other thing is that would have been unfamiliar is that they're saying praise the one and glory in the heavens and the highest heavens. This is new. This we've never heard before. And they're saying things without even realizing what they're saying. They don't even realize what's going on. I, I want to point that out because I want to bring some of us to ease that when you don't understand all of what God's up to, it's okay. When you can't make sense of everything that's going on, it's all right. When it all doesn't seem to line up on the surface, it's okay. Because even though it doesn't line up on the surface, doesn't mean that God's not working below the surface and putting together all the details. He's working in such a way. And, and so here they come and the, or the uh, Pharisees, the Pharisees meet Jesus as Jesus is cresting down the Mount of Olives. Now, if, you're in, in, uh, if you've ever been to Israel, you would recognize this walk. This, this was the main path that was taken. We know this because there were uh, different things and infrastructure that even would have been there at that time uh, as Jesus was making his way into the gate, the eastern gate. And as he crests over the Mount of Olives, they see him. They're celebrating. They're full of anticipation and excitement. And as he nears the city, the Pharisees say, hey, teacher, rabbi, they recognize him as being a good teacher. Hey, hey, teacher, tell your disciples to stop saying that. You know, what's interesting to me is they don't tell them, they don't say to Jesus, tell them to stop doing that. They say, stop saying that. The reason that's important, I think, is because we have to recognize it's one thing of what we do but the intention and the purpose for which we do it matters all the more. The intention and the purpose of it was to acknowledge Jesus. The act was to honor someone. That's good. I almost hear it this way. The Pharisees were okay with their good deeds, but they didn't like Jesus' name. The world doesn't mind that the church created hospitals, which that's where hospitals came from, by the way. That's not to elevate or pat the church. I'm just saying there's many things that we have in society that came because the church, the people of God, the people of compassion stepped in. There's a reason why most hospitals start with Saint something. There's a reason why it's Presby, Mercy. There's a reason that the church helped lead the way. But I want to challenge and encourage us to not just be individuals who do good deeds and forget the name of Jesus. Because if we give a cup of cold water, but we don't do it in Jesus' name, then we miss the power and the purpose of what it's meant to do. A cup of cold water can satisfy for a moment, but the name of Jesus is a fountain and a well that will never run dry. <laughs> give the world comfort, but oh, if we don't declare the comforter. Give the world 
resources and serve. The world doesn't mind the deeds. It's the name of Jesus. Do you know the name of Jesus is rather divisive? You can pray in places. But if you say Jesus' name at the end, why do you think that is? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. You don't have a problem with something that has no threat. But when all authority has been given unto me, when the one who says, I have been given all authority, therefore go, and this going is in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. If you don't know what to pray, sometimes just say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. My mom, when she was, I I remember learning that this is mom's prayer. Uh, Mom would be behind the wheel, and if somebody would cut her off, she would say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Now, for a moment, as a young kid, I knew you don't take the Lord's name in vain, and I thought, my mother is going to hell. She just says, Jesus, 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 at random moments. But I found out, no, that's mom's best way of calling out to Jesus. When she don't know what to do in the moment, she just says, Jesus, 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 Jesus. How many know that it's okay when you don't know what to do in the moment to just say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I, I think it's interesting. They don't say, tell them to stop what they're doing. But we're okay with what they're doing. Okay, we know we're okay with what they're doing because we can't deny like them the miracles. The, the Bible says in John, John gives his description of the triumphal entry. When John says, John says a large gathering came because they wanted to see the man who raised Lazarus from the dead. So the majority of people are coming because they heard that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. How many know that will cause some talk around town? Hey, did you see they decorated uh, Story Square? Yeah, but did you see that man that was dead? He's now walking in Story Square? I mean, that kind of trumps the stories. I mean, that just, that, that's the one that, that just rises to the top. And so they're like, this man raised Lazarus from the dead. And so people wanted to come. The Pharisees couldn't even deny what Jesus had done, but they couldn't deny that he was worthy of honor. They just did not want the name to be identified or acknowledged. The enemy's going to do whatever he can to bring opposition to shut you up to quiet you, to rob your dreams or to misconstrue your dreams to make them think they're yours or to turn it inward and miss the part of what it is that God is wanting to accomplish. Here's here's what we recognize, that there's opposition to what Jesus wants to do in our lives and how many would acknowledge and be willing to acknowledge and say, yeah, I recognize the enemy's gonna do whatever he can to shut me up, to keep me in a controlled state, to keep me in a place of Subtle, just go with the flow, just take it, okay? You're in a difficult situation, so just remain. No, I want to be at a place that recognizes the power of who Jesus Christ is in me. Listen, this opposition of Jesus from the very beginning, even when Jesus was born, eight days after he was born, listen what Simeon, who is at the temple, he said this to Mary, the mother of Jesus. This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others will rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. I just want you to know today, opposition, there's always opposition to what Jesus is wanting to do in and through your life. There's always going to be people saying, hey, tone it down. There's always going to be, hey, don't, 
you're, you're, you're going too far. You're over the top. That faith, that belief, that believing God, that surrender, just tone it down. We're okay with the good deeds. Just don't take the Jesus thing over the top. Can I tell you, you can't separate them. You can't separate them. My works are not because of works. My works are because of faith in Jesus Christ because faith without works is dead. I can't separate the two of them. So what I do, I cannot do without attaching Jesus' name because the only reason I'm driven to do it is not because I just want to love you and serve you, but because I have a love put in me from Jesus that I could not love you without him. Be honest. There's some people you can't love without Jesus. Oh, don't at all act like you don't know what I'm talking about. It takes Jesus. It, it's the work of Jesus. And so these go together. What I, what I want you to know is that there's always going to be opposition that says tone it down, shut it down. Even when Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, Matthew tells the story of a blind man who was along the side of the road. And while Jesus is leaving Jericho, now heading to Jerusalem before the triumphal entry, a blind man hears that Jesus is coming. He's on the side of the road. He begins to shout, son of David, have mercy on me. And what did the people tell him to do? Be quiet. In another story, they even said, hey, Jesus, tell him to be quiet. He's annoying us. Tell him to hold, turn down his praise. You know, it's always okay worshiping, but then there's that one person in church that just gets too loud. Tell him to be quiet. I'm not telling him. There's some... I think if we recognize what Jesus did in our lives, some of us ought to turn up the volume a little bit. <laughs> now, I'm not making this a statement of now we all have to be out loud, boisterous worshipers of Jesus. But there is something that the work that happens on the inside is reflected by what comes out of our mouth. So there needs to be a worship. Now, here's what I know. Some people just are more exuberant than other people. All right? Some people might not be dancer up and downers. Or jumper up and downers. You know, some people might just not have that thing. That's just not their makeup. It's not who they are. But here's what I know. The more Jesus does a work in me, it kind of has this expression and begins to build and moves and causes me to go places that maybe I didn't go before because I can't help but celebrate what Jesus. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I just can't help. Now, you might say, well, I'm not of that, that type. Well, you got to be of some type. There's got to be some type of declaring the goodness of God. There's got to be something because we are not called to be people to just keep it to ourselves. You know, there's things you just don't talk about, politics and religion. I don't know about politics, but here's what I know. I know I don't need to talk about religion, but I cannot help but talk about Jesus because the one who transformed and changed, there's... There's always going to be opposition. So maybe you're, you say, well, I'm not the one that's real boisterous or, you know, out loud. That's fine. You might be the person behind the scenes, and that's okay. I thank God for stable, steady, behind the scenes. But here it is. You might do something with your hands, and when people acknowledge what you've done with your hands, you can't stand there and take the credit because you say, well, I can't help but give my best because I know the one who gave the best for me. So I'm doing what I do, not because I'm good at it, but because I know the one who purchased me, died for me, and gave me what I have. So I do everything I have to the glory of God. How many know that's some rocks bursting out in praise? It might not look the same as someone else with, with the, the loud singing and the shout, but it's somebody who I can't help but say, this is not to my credit. This is not to my benefit. This is to my worship. I can't help but give what I give, do what I do, 
proceed in what I proceed with because of what Jesus Christ has done for am I talking to anybody in the room who just knows he's been too good to you that you can't help but say his name you, you cannot help but say the name of Jesus I, I want to encourage us in this because as things will take place the enemy's going to do even more to try and shut up the church now, this is not a woe are we opposition. No, this is just the reality of the world. That in the last days, people are going to be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. How many know that's in the Bible? And if that's in the Bible, get ready for it. So I'm just saying to you, culture is already and even more going to put us in categories of Hey, just do the good deeds thing and keep the message thing quiet. Just do that good, th- good deed thing and don't talk about Jesus. I just want you to know, Jesus said, even if they kept silent, the rocks would cry out. And so uh, opposition is going to be part of the process. Here, here's what I'm, I'm really wanting to build up before we, we land this. Uh, I want you to hear today that anointing flows in the direction of opposition. Anointing flows in the direction of opposition. Wherever there's opposition, it tries to control and tries to hold back. I don't know what the enemy uses to try and control you, but fear is one. Anxiety, depression, insecurity, jealousy, anger, whatever it might might be. The enemy will use something to control you. That word control, that device, scripture refers to as a yoke. Well, what is a yoke? A yoke is something that is put on the necks of animals or farm animals mostly oxen, that are used for the oxen then to be tied together, yoked, connected, that then are driven. And so someone has control of the yoke and it drives them. The enemy is going to do whatever he can to drive you, to control you, to shut you up, to be at a place of just going along with the flow, that, that you, you, you just become subtle and, and just go along with it rather than allowing the worship and the praise of God to go forth. In Isaiah, I, I grew up in, in church, and so I heard this scripture all a long time. And maybe you've heard it too. The anointing breaks the yoke of sin. The anointing breaks the yoke of the bondage of sin. And so where there's sin... The anointing will break the yoke. Now, I want you to see the anointing flows to opposition. What is the anointing? The anointing is the presence of God that is already on the inside of you. You do not receive anointing. You release anointing. The anointing is already Jesus at work inside of you, the spirit of God that comes alive inside of you. You are created in the image of God. Therefore, the anointing doesn't flow in. The anointing flows out. Okay? When you receive Jesus Christ as Savior, the anointing now abides inside of you. It was because Jesus brought this. You've received Christ, the presence of God, the work of Jesus Christ. There is the anointing. The anointing breaks the yoke of the bondage of sin. That there is the anointing. It is, it is the oil of God's presence. It's the work of his spirit. How many are grateful for the spirit of God on the inside of you? Now there's a river of God that comes forth on the inside And then Jesus said to the woman at the well that if you thirst of me, if you drink of me, you'll have rivers of living water or you'll have rivers that are fountain that'll never run dry. There'll be a fountain that'll never run dry. He then says at the Passover, if anyone's thirsty, let him ask of me and I'll give him rivers that from the innermost being of of his belly, who he is, his person, 
that from him will flow rivers of living water. Notice one is on the inside coming alive, and the other is now a river that flows on the outside. I want to say to you today, we need to allow the dam to burst and allow the anointing and the work of God to come forth to transform and change and to work from the inside. Here's why it's important for you to know whatever opposition the enemy brings, the anointing in you is greater than the opposition against you. The one who, that's why the scripture says he, the, that greater is he that is in us. The one in us is greater than the one that is in the world. So when the enemy says you don't have what it takes, no, the anointing says that in Christ, what you need to know is that you don't need to get anything from God to fight the battle. He's already given you everything you need in Jesus Christ. You are anointed. Some, just look at your neighbor. Tell him today, you're anointed for this. You're anointed for this. I want you to, listen, you're anointed for whatever it is that God has put in front of you. To carry that out in the name and the purpose of Jesus Christ. Listen, I heard this scripture growing up, but I want to read it to you the way it's actually read. There, there's a translation, of course, the... Uh, um, the anointing breaks the yoke, the, uh, the, the bondage of sin. Um, but here's what it says in Isaiah 10, 27. I want you to see the Greek that is there. This is in the Greek, but we don't add it this way. It says, in that day, the Lord will end the bondage of his people. He's speaking on the day of the Messiah. When, the, when Jesus Christ comes, he will end the bondage of his people. What is the bondage? It's sin. It is slavery to sin. He says that it will be the, the bondage of his people will end. He will break the yoke of slavery and lift it from their shoulders. He will break the yoke of slavery and lift it from his shoulders. But notice what the Greek, I love this, the Greek says, for you have grown so fat. I want you to get the picture of this. The reason the yoke breaks off is not because Jesus broke the yoke, because he anointed and did a work on the inside of us and the work that he did on the inside of us was enough to now break any chain and yoke and work that the enemy tries to bring against you. What I want you to know is that you can get so fat in the anointing that the enemy's chains don't fit anymore because it breaks off of you. There's an anointing that in the presence of God, basically what I'm saying is you get so spiritually fat. Are there any fat people in the room? I hope we're all fat. Okay, you know what I'm saying. Little effect there, I get it. Okay, tone it down. But some of us, you see, spiritually, if there's a spiritual famine, be careful on the day of the enemies. Let me say it this way. The day of the Lord is a dangerous place for skinny Christians malnourished Christians. The day of the Lord will be a dangerous place for malnourished, I shouldn't say Christians, because if you, there's, you either are or you're not. But the day of the Lord, when the wind comes against, there's no meat on those bones to be able to hold them up. But the fat belonged to the Lord. Here I am, Jesus. What I want you to hear today is the anointing. When you give way, the enemy will do whatever he can to shut you up. And the more he shuts you up, he shuts off your lifeline. And now you become malnourished. You're not taking in nutrients. You're not eating of the things of God. And now you become spiritually anorexic. 
Because now the enemy has said, hey, stop saying that. But there's something about worship. There's something about declaring the name of Jesus. There's something about saying, you know what? My mind is trying to tell me that I'm going to be set up for failure. But my faith says, no, I know who is with me. And if he is with me, nothing can come again. I know in whom I believe that faith begins to rise up. And I begin to declare the name of Jesus. That in that, that causes life. And it breaks the yoke. It breaks the bondage of sin. There's a sacrifice of praise. The Bible says to bring to God a sacrifice of praise. Why is it a sacrifice? because my flesh and there's opposition there's things that I'm fighting against but the anointing goes towards the opposition that when I don't feel like it it's probably the moment I should when I don't feel like praying it's probably the moment I should be praying if it was always the moment of I feel like it might be in a moment in a place that I'm missing but sometimes in the famine sometimes in the dark moments in the difficult places in the moments when opposition is coming against me and there's a yoke on my neck no I'm not going to say woe is me because I've got a yoke I'm going to say greater is he the one that is in me and this yoke cannot remain it will not be over my family it will not be over my children I plead the blood I speak the name of Jesus the yoke of this oppression will fall off because his name is powerful there is a the, the fattening the yoke fell off because they were so fat God help us to allow that anointing some of us are standing in places today and there's opposition there's difficult places I want to say today it's not the moment to back down it's not the moment to get in your chair and cower and say man oh, I tried God it's just difficult no it's that moment to rise up and when they say be quiet, I'm going to shout all the louder. Not in rebellion, but in righteous praise. Not in rebellion, there's a difference. But in a righteous praise. I'm going to be like Daniel. I'm going to keep opening my window as usual. Notice Daniel didn't just do that the moment it was decreed. Moment, the moment that there was a law, Daniel wasn't like, well, I'll show them. No, Daniel was like, no, I'm just going to keep doing what I always do. I'm going to keep doing what I usually do. And some of us need our usual to be consistent so that when the enemy comes against and tries to put a yoke on, it's like, no, it doesn't fit. We broke that off years ago. That insecurity doesn't fit anymore because I got fat. That, that oppression doesn't fit anymore. It doesn't fit because the anointing breaks the yoke. And I'm going to burst when the enemy says quiet, the worship team is going to come and help us close. I just want to give you three things that Jesus was saying here. Because we could look at why were they opposing Jesus. And to be honest with you, we'd be focusing on the wrong thing. And some of us today, instead of focusing on why they said what they said, focus on what Jesus said. Let me say that again because that will set some people free. Instead of focusing on why they said what they said, focus on what Jesus said. We could focus on why in the world did they oppose, why did they want Jesus to be quiet? Why was it? We could have all the reasons. There's opposition. You could come up with reasons. But the focus isn't on why they said what they said. The focus is on what Jesus said. And Jesus said, if you tell them to be quiet or if they kept quiet, these rocks would burst out in their place. What was Jesus saying? Let me just give you three things. Number one, Jesus was saying, you can't stop this. You can't stop praise from going forth. Praise is the natural response of the earth. You can't stop earthquakes. You can't stop volcanoes. And you cannot stop the earth responding to the commands of God. 
the earth is going to do what it does. And the purpose of the, the point of that is God is going to receive glory. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, and everyone will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. How many believe that today? Every knee will bow. Now, so what it's the point is you can't stop it. Whether you like it or not, whether you're for it or not, you can protest it, you can do whatever you want, but Jesus' words are going to be carried out. Do you understand that? You can, you can try to get rid of Israel, but the Bible says Israel will remain until the Lord's coming. <laughs> uh, good luck with that. You can do whatever you want to do. And let me just speak to the fact that Israel, the size of New Jersey, I mean, here's a statement for y'all. Philistines, Canaanites, Jebusites, Assyria, all the others, they're only stories in books, including the Bible, their history. But the only country that remained is this place the size of Jersey. Why? Because they were bigger? Nope. <laughs> they were not bigger than the Assyrian, or let me, Rome? Hello? Every person that tried to defeat Israel. You say, why? Because they're special? No, because God's prophetic word and where his word is, heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will not return void. His word is over that land. And if his word, and let me just remind you, his word is over you. His word is over you. This is my beloved. This is the one in whom I love. If you belong to Jesus, guess what? He chose you. You said, wait, are we getting into this whole conversation of an election? No, he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He made salvation available for you. And the moment you receive that salvation, he chose you. He made you his own. His word is over you. You need to know today that his word is over you. You can't stop it. Number two, you can't deny it. You can't deny it. The Pharisees said, tell them to stop saying what they're saying. And they didn't say, tell them to stop doing what they're doing. Because the Pharisees know if we would try and say, hey, you can't do that, the whole thing of honor and putting out the coats and welcoming this man, if we did that, that would make us look like idiots. Because some of us were there when Lazarus was raised from the dead. We can't deny the fact that this man has power. We just don't want to acknowledge that it's from God or that he is God. You can't deny that there's power. You can't deny. There's some of you in the room, you can't deny the power of God in your family's life. You can't deny. Some of you in the room, you can't deny the prayers of a praying mom or grandparent. That the power of God. Oh, man, that moves me to think my grandmother would have prayed for family members to be saved and went to heaven before she ever got to see it. But my great-great-grandmother prayed that people, that our family would come to know Jesus. I didn't know if she knew that there would be a third generation that would rise up to declare the name of Jesus, that her prayers would reach heaven. I don't know, but she never got to see it, but she prayed, oh, I thank God for praying grandmothers and grandfathers. You can't deny the hand of God. There's some of you in the room, you can't deny. I can't deny the goodness. Of, I can't deny the faithfulness and the goodness of God. I can't deny it. And so if you can't deny it, <laughs> then why try holding back your praise? Here's the last thing I want to give us and we're going to close. And 
This is really what I believe Jesus was saying. Not only you can't stop it, hey, these rocks are going to cry out, and you can't deny it. Whether you like it or not, you can't deny the fact that I am who I say I am. You can argue it, but you can't deny it. I mean, I have the power to raise Lazarus from the dead. You you can't deny it. You might not like it, but you can't deny it. But I think number three, he's saying, "You you ain't seen nothing yet. I want to give you the context of where Jesus is when he's coming down the Mount of Olives. And if you've been to Israel, you would know that as Jesus is coming down the Mount of Olives, it was the common trail that would come into the city, the Eastern Gate. Over the left side of Jesus' shoulder while coming down the Mount of Olives, there's a cemetery that has been there all the way back to Absalom's days. It's called the Kidron Valley. And there are graves Absalom, the son of David, is buried there. There's other remarkable uh, uh, tombs that are there, but many people have been buried. And while Jesus is walking down the Mount of Olives, they stop him and say, hey, tell your disciples to stop saying that. And Jesus says to them, if they were quiet, these rocks would cry out or burst out with praise. I want you now to hear that in the context, not of pebbles alongside the road or cliffs off in the distance, but I want you to hear that with tombstones right over Jesus' shoulder. There's a tombstone, there's, there's headstones that as Jesus is walking and he's saying, if they were quiet, these rocks, they'd burst out. I, I want to read in Matthew 24. Listen to what it says. Jesus is just five days from going to the cross. So on a Sunday, they say, hey, tell them to, tell them to be quiet. Jesus says, if they're quiet, these stones are going to cry out. Five days later, on a Friday, Jesus would be hanging that afternoon on a cross. Listen what happens. Matthew 27 records that the moment, not the day, the moment Jesus died. The moment Jesus, the Son of God, the promised one, the Lamb of God, the one who was, who is, and is to come, the perfect Lamb of God, the Messiah. I, I just, you just need to know this was not a normal man. This was not just a good teacher. He was not just a good person. He was the Lamb of God. He was the Son of God. He was divinity wrapped in human clothes. He left heaven and came to earth. That's why we're celebrating Christmas. That's what makes this remarkable. On the moment Jesus died, listen what happened the moment Jesus died. It says in verse 51, at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Separation. Now we were divided from God, but God initiated the tearing of the curtain. Now we have access. It says the earth shook and rocks split apart and tombs opened. Did you hear this? The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city of Jerusalem and there appeared to many people. On the day Jesus died, those rocks broke open and dead people started walking out saying, I can't deny what my God has done. And there are people who began to burst and declare, I want to say to you today, I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but if it's before I get to heaven or before I breathe my last breath, after I breathe my last breath, this body is going in the ground, but this soul 
the spirit will be with the Lord. But one day, that headstone over my grave, or whatever it might be, ashes, whatever it is, it's going to come forth. And this body is going to come to life again. And I'm going to be resurrected with the Lord. And I'm going to declare what I'm saying to you is you've not seen anything yet. If you think it's too much for God to restore your marriage, you've not seen anything yet. If you think it's too much for God to restore that dream and to give you hope and to cause that to to right, if if you think it's too much for God to to turn your business around, if you think it's too much, if you think it's too much, you've not seen anything yet because on the day of Jesus Christ, the dead will rise and the dead will be made complete and we will be with him forever. My point is we don't just have a hope for this life. We have a hope for the life to come and the hope that we have to come is nothing or I'm sorry, is everything everything and what we believe God for here is nothing compared to what God has already promised for us in heaven do you hear that today so instead of being people of well we just live in tough times well it's just a difficult place no the enemy might be trying to put a yoke on me but I got fat it don't fit the anointing breaks the yoke and when the enemy tries to shut down and control no I'm going to declare I know in whom I believe my family will be saved. This business will prosper. This church will declare the glory of God. My body will be healed. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. I will declare not because I have control, but because I submit to the one who has all control. And I know in whom I believe. And if he doesn't do what I'm praying for, I'm not going to just look on the surface. Because I know he's doing something far greater and deeper than I can imagine. Because he's never done working in my midst. And so no matter what time it is, no matter the season give thanks to God in all things for this is the will of those who are in Christ Jesus so the enemy might say no put that yoke on and get back in place no it don't fit anymore I can't hold back my praise I've got to let it out I don't know this morning if there's anyone in the room who says you know what the enemy's been trying to put a yoke on me the enemy's been trying to say that's not going to happen you can't believe for that that's never going to turn around that's not going to be the case the enemy's trying to put a yoke of fear oppression depression uh, anxiety whatever it might be the enemy's trying to put a yoke on you but today you know the anointing that is in you is greater than what the enemy tries to put on you and that anointing is rising up and today it doesn't fit is there anyone in the room who says whatever yoke the enemy's trying to put on me it's not gonna fit I'm not holding back my praise I'm gonna let out worship and praise come on if that's you today I want to declare this all across this room I want you to declare victory today in Jesus name